0: Hi, everyone. Dan Cassidy here. Welcome to Top of the Morning on the UBS Market Moves podcast channel. Joining us for today's conversation, glad to welcome back Leslie Falconio, head of Taxable Fixed Income Strategy Americas, as well as Barry Macalindon, Senior Fixed Income Strategist Americas, both from the UBS Chief Investment Office. Leslie, Barry, welcome back. Thank you for spending some time with our listeners, our clients, and looking forward to our conversation. Thank you, Dan. Thanks, Dan. You're both joining us to talk about the latest fixed income strategist publication. That title poses the question, have we seen the peaks? So, Barry, what issues do you consider when addressing this question and tying it into fixed income performance?
1: Sure. So the title, have we seen the peaks? Uh, We discussed it in the context of the Fed and the Fed uh, hawkishness. As well as interest rates, uh, volatility, and on the credit side, uh, credit spreads, fundamentals and ratings trends. Maybe I'll just start um, by, by the, tackling the question about, about the Fed and certainly um, you know the Fed hawkishness and, and inflation have, have obviously gone hand in hand this year. And of course, the initial pivot um, where inflation was not deemed to be transitory, you know, set off the sequence of events uh, that repriced rates higher, and the, uh, we saw the correction of the equity market take place. And then it really um, hit a crescendo uh, in terms of what the market was expecting for Fed uh, tightening, really in in June. You know, after those those May and uh, June uh, CPI reports came in uh, hotter than expected, and we had some. Um, some uh, actions by global central banks as well um, that, that kind of fed off that narrative. Um, so, so going forward, though, obviously we had the the July CPI print, uh, which you know saw the magnitude of the increase did did uh, dampen on the CPI and other measures of inflation. You know, have uh, showing signs of moderation. And, you know, the market seems to be looking through, you know, this Fed tightening cycle a bit. Um, perhaps it was, um, you know, the language in the July a statement that acknowledged, you know, that recent um, indicators of spending and production have softened. So just an acknowledgement of some softening in, in the economy. Um, at this point, though, you know, we've seen risk assets perform very well, the credit side and equity. So, um, you know, the question um, I think the, the market has to face is, you know, have, have we gone a bit too far? Uh, and where financial conditions, you know, have, have loosened and maybe some of the work that the Fed has done, um, you know, is, is reversing itself. I think that'll be the key question going forward. But how the market responds, you know, to the, to the Fed, we think, you know, may have uh, already peaked.
0: So, Leslie, to welcome you into the conversation, I know you've joined this many times here on the podcast this year to talk about rates. So, Leslie, can you elaborate a bit on the Chief Investment Office's view on interest rates and the question of if we've already seen the peak... That there.
2: Yeah, I mean, you know, when we think about it, whether or not we've we've already seen the peak, and it's, and it's been very tough in terms of the interest rate market this year, and, and Barry outlined some of the reasons why, and and what we've seen just in terms of the rhetoric and the transition of not only the Fed but you know global central banks. So we recognize that we've had this really large rise the first six months of the year, and as we've written, you know, last month and 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 our um, publication with the strategist, um the site that we've our uh, outlook for the second half of the year, we discussed our, you know, reasons behind the fact that we believe the headwinds in total return due to rising interest rates were behind us. So with that said, you know, we still believe that three and a half percent we saw in June when the Fed sort of shocked the market by raising 75 basis points for the first time since the early 90s, you know, has has been priced in. And our expectation is that more than likely we will not see that level this year. I mean, obviously we have a lot of data we have coming up for the next, you know, for the rest of the year, and particularly even from today to the next, you know, FOMC meeting in September, which is around the third week of September. But we pretty much think that we've seen the high in, in yields. So what does this mean in terms of positioning? You know, You know, it's interesting because when you think when you look back to say like the, the third week of June, you know, rates have been kind of stuck in this range of like around two and a half to three percent the majority of the time. And, you know, our outlook in terms of where to add risk, in terms of add interest rate risk, would be closer to that three percent level. Our view remains that the two seventy five to three and a quarter will more more than likely remain the bulk of the range for the remainder of the year. I'm not saying that you're not gonna see you know, a 250 or a 230 or even a, you know, 290 or, or, or a 330, for example. But I do think the bulk of the range is 275 to three and a quarter. So we want to add risk around that 3% level. And, and as we know, we have the minutes coming out tomorrow, There's, which is one thing I want to point out. And the second thing that I want to point out, which is important regarding interest rates, is the fact that quantitative tightening, right, or in September, they removed the caps, so what does this mean is that you will have balance sheet decline by ninety billion a month, sixty billion in treasuries, thirty billion in mortgage backed securities. Add supply to the marketplace. However, we do believe that the market is actually pricing this in. So we don't add duration below three percent. You want to go to th- around three is to add a little bit of interest rate risk. But we do think that high that we saw around that three and a half percent will be the high of the year.
0: Continuing with this theme, Barry, how about the peaks as it relates to credit spreads as well as credit fundamentals?
1: Yeah, in credit, so we do think that credit fundamentals as well as the positive credit reading uh, trends. Uh, may have already peaked or, or they're at peak. Whereas spreads, uh, credit spreads, you know, they did touch their year-to-date wides uh, in jul- early July. That was 167 basis points for IG investment grade and 601 basis points for high yield. And they since you know tightened up pretty substantially, down to 140 for investment grade and and 426 for high yield. So it's been a pretty powerful rally um, that's occurred in spreads. Um, You know, when you just think about um, the context of um, declining business activity, though, uh, if you look at changes in the ISM manufacturing index, when that declines, uh, typically spreads widen out, they move inversely. Um, So, you know, just a a slowing of of the economy and, and on the manufacturing side, business activity would point towards wider spread levels than we're at today and then secondly um when when spreads do cross those thresholds that i mentioned the 160 for investment grade and 600 for high yield and 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 Leslie uh, did did a lot of work on this. You know, historically, um, you see spreads continue to uh, move wider. It's pretty rare that spreads really don't uh, move move wider in those instances because it really indicates you know, a degree of market strain that that has to be be settled. More often than not, it's because you do have economic deterioration, uh, oftentimes recession that cause spreads to peak at even wider levels. So that you know the history um, does. Doesn't really bode well as far as you know, spreads just go tighter w- without experiencing at least some degree of, of widening um, in, the, in the interim, which we think is certainly possible. And then, just uh, quickly on on the fundamental side, I was we've had a pretty uh, good uh, second quarter earnings season. You know, where earnings uh, and, and revenues were, were kind of better than feared, as well as the cuts to forward um, estimates were not quite as uh, as high as feared. I think the key for investment grade companies will be, you know, how far these uh, earnings and revenues, you know, fall in the in the economic environment ahead. That will really uh, dictate the. Amount of uh, credit deterioration, you know, that we witness, um, you know, for high yield companies, obviously, uh, you would expect the, the default rate to uh, tick up a little bit, um, you know, which uh, we're coming off of very extremely low levels. Um, but if, you know, if you have kind of a, a moderate, uh, you know, type of, of downturn in the economy. You know, maybe default rates don't rise to, like, the double-digit levels that we've experienced, you know, in, in prior crises. Um, instead, you know, kind of that low, mid-single-digit in terms of default. So, so that's why we think, though, um, that overall fundamentals um, are um, likely to uh, just deteriorate a bit from here. And then uh, that feeds into ra- uh, ratings actions by the main credit rating agencies. Um, you know, right now, everything is still... Um, uh, showing more upgrades than, than downgrades, the the count of rising stars um, continues to increase. Uh, in July, we had three more companies go from investment grade to high yield, um, but that should slow, reflective of just overall business conditions. I think there's a you know is there enough buffer uh, built in where the companies have um, improved their balance sheets during the pandemic. You know which wasn't even uh, that long ago. So uh, I think. Um, You know, that should uh, at least limit the extent of the uh, credit downgrades that take place. But we just expect, again, a moderation of kind of this upgrade cycle that we've seen.
0: Tying this all together as we begin to wrap up our conversation today and with these considerations in mind, Leslie, can you recap for our listeners, our clients, the chief investment office's fixed income outlook, as well as speak to your asset allocation preferences, namely the most preferred views?
2: Yeah, I mean, well, let's start with the most preferred, which are preferred. I mean, we, we've, we've really allocated to taken our credit or our credit risk dollars, if you will, and allocated it toward the preferred sector. And, and I've said this to you before, Dan, and I've said this on this podcast before, is that there's no question we, we got in a little bit early with that allocation. I mean, you know, if we would have known or if we had any idea of the amount or how quickly the Fed pushed forward the rate hikes, and we might have gotten in a little bit later, but we did get a little in a little bit earlier, but albeit it was still cheap. So one of the things that we've been seeing over the past several weeks at, you know, even prior to this recent large spread compression, but, you know, even going back to earlier in July, we saw we've seen some credit and a particularly preferred start to outperform. Now, you know, you know, Barry had mentioned some of the wides that we saw in July for some of these risk assets, but it was really particularly for the high-yield side. And one of the things that we've seen over the – since, you know, this this even say like mid-June – to today is that preferreds have outperformed over almost every single credit or risk asset out there that includes both high yield and IG. So we're very pleased with the, how the turnaround has happened with, with preferreds. So and I think that's part of the fact that the move index, interest rate volatility has really collapsed as the market has sort of, rightly or wrongly, priced in much more of a Goldilocks scenario going forward. And again, I think we have to wait and see whether or not this is actually going to be the result Um of this, this, this fed path. Cause we, as we know, I mean, the feds going to tighten in September, it's going to continue to tighten throughout the year. And one CPI number is not necessarily a trend, but as of now, I mean, we, we've have preferreds have done really well. So we're pleased with the outperformance that has occurred in that sector. And, you know, preferreds, along with things like high yield and IG, have now seen some inflows going in, and partly because the volatility has come down, partly because second quarter earnings, even though they might have been adjusted a little bit too low ahead of the earnings data, did very well. You know, the market feels a little bit more comfortable. There's a tremendous amount of cash on the sidelines. So this is all sort of, you know, spiraled into a large compression. and and risk assets now what this means going forward and let's just just keep it on the tone of risk for a second is that you know look i mean our our view is that overall you know you're getting great carry from these assets there's no question you know with the carry that we've seen in fixed income throughout the year is something that we haven't witnessed in a decade and finally fixed income is doing what it's supposed to do is give the investor income so we, we appreciate that in terms of you know having the, the incremental income add your total return so we don't want to say move sectors to least preferred however we do have to be cognizant of we have seen a lot of spread compression and we, we don't really know what the end game is going to be just yet the pathway to a soft landing may have been extended but you know the results aren't in yet. So, you know, we have to be cognizant of how much, you know, risk assets have tightened in overall, you know. And one of these sectors that we we like in terms of investment grade has been short and it's been on the short end side. Again, this has been more of a carry trade, lower your interest rate risk. You know, you know, try and get as much capital preservation as possible, particularly since there's still uncertainty going forward, since we've seen such a large drop in volatility and a large compression in credit. So we still like preferreds. We like one to three-year IG. And one of these sectors that really has set the tone of where we're heading more than likely as we go into the last couple quarters of the year is this up in quality kind of allocation. And we have chose to do that in the agency MBS market. Our timing on that, was, I have to say, was very good. You know, We saw a lot of volatility around that June timeframe when the Fed was very hawkish. We saw rates rise. We saw spreads widen out due to the uncertainty of the path of the Fed. We have a little bit more clarity now. So we've had spreads come in. But we're going to keep that overweight to sort of like these higher quality risk assets and not really go over our skis, even though you might see, feel this kind of FOMO, a lot of cash on the sidelines, but not necessarily chase lower credit quality simply because, you know, you may have the results of a, you know, a a path that it might have a longer run, right? Because again, I mean, these risk assets overall, I wouldn't consider them cheap by any stretch.
0: Well, Leslie Berry, the clarity you've provided to our listeners, our clients today, very helpful and appreciate the guidance with respect to allocation as we're making our way closer and closer to year end. Very helpful to hear about CIO's performance outlook as well. So thank you both for dropping by and spending some time with our listeners and clients on top of the morning today. Appreciate.